A vision without execution is just a dream. Welcome to Transformative Experts with Chris Elias. Like the show title says, Chris speaks with transformative experts and business leaders who share their successes, failures, and leadership tips that will help you transform your business into a success story. Now, here's your host, Chris Elias. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Transformative Experts. Today I have with me um, an expert. Uh, we always bring in experts. Uh, great story, but I have with me AJ Bishop. She is um, she's actually she's a wealth management coach and consultant. She works with with uh, with people on wealth management and uh, has a tremendous history. Brings a lot to the table uh, today in her coaching practice. She focuses on helping women in wealth management. We'll talk a little bit about that, but please feel rest assured that her tools, her techniques, anybody can benefit from them. And so I think you'll find this interesting uh, because it's something we should all be focused on, you know, whatever stage we're at in our life, but being able to set ourselves up to be, um, you know, safe and, and, and as wealthy as possible, you know, as stable as possible, if nothing else, you know, for our lifetime. So uh, welcome to the show, AJ. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. It's really a pleasure having you here. Um, we're we're fortunate again. You know, technology allows us to do this remotely, but we've got a great connection today. So so I, I love that we've got some clear sound. Uh, this should be a fun one for the uh, for for the listeners. But uh, our listeners, our regular listeners, know we always start with a little bit of history. You don't just become a wealth management coach and consultant just out of the blue. You don't decide one day, oh, you know, this is the, my path. In order to have credibility, you have to be really really good and you are really really good how did you get here wow that's uh quite the introduction and i'm grateful for it but i always honestly chris i tell people that i come from humble beginnings my my father was african-american he was a pilot in the air force and my mother is a very strong-willed brazilian woman and they literally just you know they lived the simple life uh shortly after i was born my father passed away of cancer. He was only, I think he was maybe 37, 38 years old. And so he left my mom a widow with three young girls. And she obviously coming from Brazil, she, English was her second language. And what I tell people is, is it was her vision to right come to America. It was her vision to have a better life for us girls that I candidly and honestly am so wholeheartedly um, so grateful for because without that vision, I'm obviously not sure where I would be in life. But I grew up in Clinton, Utah, of all places. And where, for where's those of Clinton, you, Utah? Yeah, so Clinton, Utah, is about 35 minutes north of Salt Lake City, and it's right by the Air Force Base. And at the time when I remember being right early 80s, it was really kind of like a little farm town. There wasn't much further west of where we lived. I would ride my bike through the cornfields and, you know, it was just simple, simple living in a lot of ways. We, I've always considered myself a tomboy. If I even look back when I, all my friends were boys and that's just really all I had in the neighborhood. But my mom, she was determined to ensure that, right, I was a strong, independent woman. I remember her blatantly multiple times telling me how important it was to have my own wealth in a way, right? She didn't use the word wealth, but to have my own money. And, you know, we grew up very simply because my mom had only been a cook. She went to maybe the second or third grade. Her family is all in the favelas of Brazil. So she had, she knows, and my family knows what poverty, true poverty looks like. And so going to college was a non-negotiable. And I just always tell people and I tell, right, like my friends, I, I knew I wanted to go to college, but I was actually a very artistic and expressive individual. I loved to dance as a kid. I, I thought I was going to be Whitney Houston, Chris. I would sit in the bathroom and I would dance to her songs and I would sing and I just loved how she represented this exotic looking woman, right, with so much power, but yet this grace. And as a young girl growing up in Utah, for those of you who don't know, Utah is um, currently, I, re- I recently read, it's currently 93% white. Um, and yeah, it's, it's not exactly the most diverse place in the world. That's, it's that's not. for sure. 
It's not. So a lot of people didn't look like me, including my mother. So my mother has a very Brazilian look to her. She looks, you know, and I remember being a kid and I would get lost in the grocery store and people would think I was abandoned because there was no other, you're right, there were no other black women in the room so or inside the store. So it was always this sense that I was the only one, right? Like I would say if there's a theme throughout my my entire history is that I often felt like I was the only one. And the theme of being the only one really shapes my story. It shapes who I am. It shapes all of the good, all of the bad. And I, I pride myself in a lot of ways, right? I call myself a trailblazer. I've been called a trailblazer. But I also would say that on the dark side of that, it caused me to learn to not really embrace who I am 100%. And so what that looked like was, right, in my teenage years, I was very popular, right? Despite the fact that I was the only one. I was very popular. I was a cheerleader, I was the senior class president, and what I did really well was float around to different groups. So I had right my friends who were good kids. I had right my choir friends. I had cheerleading friends. I had dance friends. But this adaptability and this uh, uh, this uh, this way to be a chameleon in a way was born out of being the only one and when I was young, it was just all about not sticking out. Like I, I did not want to stick out. I did not want to be seen as being different. And so when I got into college, I went to Purdue University. I was so excited. I thought, oh my gosh, I'm getting out of Utah. Like it's going to be so awesome. There's going to be all these diverse people. And for those of you who don't know, Purdue University is in West Lafayette, Indiana, which does have diversity in the sense that it is an international college, right? Great engineering program, great aerospace, and it's not a thriving metropolis, right? It's not an urban university. So when I got to college, I then again was up against, right, really this idea of finding who I was. And back then, right, finding who I was meant having a good time. Um, I've always been great at math and science. Those have always been my two favorite subjects. And I was having too much fun, Chris, and I ended up having to switch my major my junior year. And I knew that what that would cost, right? I knew the cost of me not completing college because I was a first-generation college student in my family. Even my two older sisters didn't complete college was that I I couldn't let down my mom, right? Like she had had this vision and dream. So, so you changed your major and I, I apologize if I missed it, but what was the major and what did you change it to? So I started out as a genetics major. I thought I was going to wow. be a veterinarian and go to vet school. I, I've always loved animals and I always loved biology. That was always my favorite subject. And then I ended up switching to business. Uh, I was like, oh, this is easy. I'll just finish up with a business degree. It'll go far. And back then it'll make me a lot of money. Like that, mm-hmm. that to me was the number one reason why I decided to switch to business was because I was focused on how much money I could make. Was, um, you know, a, kind of a curious question, you know, as you grew up, um, certainly there were, you know, adversity issues and diversity issues and, and those kind of things that you dealt with, but you, you, you still, even in trying to fit in, you still maintained and tried to, to, to move forward, but did you have money issues as a as a kid growing up? What kind of job did your mom have? And I know with with your dad passing away so so young, you know the Air Force salaries there. I don't know if there was a pension or anything involved, but um, what what do you think was behind your drive for making money? Well, I'll tell you, Chris, that it wasn't actually until my twenties, and I personally got into the wealth management investment industry that my mom opened up to me and I'm I'm getting a little emotional here, but she finally opened up to me that when my father had passed away, he had left us a million dollar insurance policy. Okay. So I'm talking about 1982, right? A million dollars. And my father, right. Our, my mom still lives in the house I was raised in, you know, at the, at the peak of her career as a cook, I think she made maybe $11 an hour. But I remember when I got that information, I thought to myself, well, what happened? Because 
you know, my mom would take me to, my mom was a workaholic. She worked hard. I had to go to work with her because I'm much younger than my two older sisters. And I remember being seven or eight years old, going to work with her, right? I got my food handler's permit, I think when I was eight. And I started working two jobs when I was 13 years old. I, she always taught me that if I wanted something, I had to work for it. And I always, when I got the information about this million dollar insurance claim, I remember being angry in a lot of ways. I was like, well, how come I like, how did, why did we have to live the way we live then? Right. There were, I wanted the cool shoes. I wanted to be able to have the same dance uniform as everyone else. Why did you raise us feeling like we didn't have anything? And that's when my mom opened up to me and she shared that, When she received the million dollar policy, she went to look for advice for what to do with it. And the man that she found had basically put her money in bad investments. He recommended some, um, I don't want to say it was a Ponzi scheme, but at the end of the day, most of the money was lost. And so I always tell people that is, that is why I do what I do. You know, if my mother had had the access to the resources, if she had had someone who was on her side of the table versus his own. And, you know, I don't know the history. Maybe he had faith in the investment himself. I don't know. But had they done appropriate financial planning, I, I my entire my entire life would look completely different. The life of my sisters would look completely different. The life of my nieces so that's why I am on a mission, right? I'm on a mission, and you mentioned it in my introduction, to work with women specifically about owning their relationship with money and putting together a plan so that they do not experience what my mother and my family experienced. It's, it's really unfortunate. Um, you know, again, uh, too far in the past to determine what this person's intent was. And, you know, I like to think that there are a lot of, I, there are a lot of very well-intended, you know, money managers today. I mean, I've got a good one, and, you know, and, and obviously you're a good one. There are a lot of good ones. And yet there are so many stories about people losing their retirement or losing, losing their future financially because either somebody just messed up, they weren't qualified, whatever the case may be, or somebody took advantage of them. And here's your mother with really good intent trying to do the right thing. And I was really hoping the story you were going to tell me is, is, is that, that she was really good at saving her money and she was trying to teach you the value of these things. But, but it, it is sad and it breaks my heart to hear that, that, you know, that this occurred. And I, I, at the same time, too, it, it, it lifts me up that there's somebody like you out there to protect these people, to teach them, and to help them out. Um, but again, be rest assured, you know, for any of the listeners, you may have good money managers out there, or you might be doing okay. It still behooves you to be very, very careful. It's your money. It's your investment, not theirs. And um, you always have to stay on top, I think, of your investments. You have to watch it no matter how much you, you trust or, or know somebody. But we'll get into more of that in a few minutes. We're at the end of our first segment. Um, so let's take a quick break. When we come back, um, AJ, you know, I, I want to dive in a little bit of the history from college to getting to where you are today because your path through the corporate world was also really important to how it shaped you. So uh, stay tuned. We'll be back with that part of the story in just a minute. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. True results happen where culture meets execution. The Execution Culture, co-written by our host, Chris Elias, is designed to make your company smarter, faster, and stronger by sharing real-world advice on culture, leadership, and execution. It's time to transform your business with the help of the Execution Culture. The book is available now on Amazon. 
click the link on the show page. Is your company or team struggling to achieve the results you would like? Optimize your life, your team, and your organization through clarity, purpose, and action. At Mexicute, we have over 100 years of combined experience leading organizations and coaching individuals to achieve their vision. We design a customized approach to ensure successful execution and optimize your results. Connect better. Grow better. For a free consultation with Chris Elias, visit nexecutegroup.com. That's N-E-X-E-C-U-T-E group.com. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. This is Transformative Experts with Chris Elias. If you have a question or a comment about the show, please send an email to listener at transformativeexperts.com. Now, back to Transformative Experts. And we're back with A.J. Bishop. So, uh, A.J., before the break, we, we kind of digressed a couple of times. We started talking a little bit about your mom. But your story as you went into the corporate world is also a very, very interesting part of it. Let's, let's share it. I'd love to share and talk about that a little. Well, I always tell people that I, I got into financial services and investments on accident, uh, I, I didn't find out about right our our insurance claim till well into my probably mid or late twenties. But I started as a licensed banker when I was twenty three years old. Uh, right after college, my college crush had moved to Arizona, and he was getting his master's degree. So when he graduated. It was either working at Home Depot or the local at the time, it was still Bank One. So uh, I remember going into the bank because we had banked there and talking to the manager who also happened to be a woman and just telling her, right, like, I don't have experience in, in banking, but I'm very good with people, right? Like, when you looked at my resume, because keep in mind, I had been working since I was 13 years old. I started managing people when I was 20. I worked full-time while I went to school. So I had been building my resume for years. And as we all know, you can't ask how old someone is. So it, you know, I had the history. I had the work experience. I knew what it was like to work with people in a variety of ways. And so when I went into uh, that role, I remember thinking, well, this is interesting, but I don't want to do this forever, right? Like, Mm -hmm. this is just something to get me by because even again, right, I remember when living in that small Arizona town with the self-consciousness of, well, you know, who's going to want to trust me with their money when I'm literally the only one that looks this way? So I was wildly successful uh, uh, and it caught me off guard in a lot of ways, which it shouldn't have. And why do you think that was? I, you know, because you were wildly successful. Well, what contributed to that? What, how, how'd you get there? Well, after being a banker, I then got promoted to a financial advisor and I spent about five years doing that. And from there, they asked me, how, what do you think about leading people? And so the last you know, 16 years has been this interesting, really a tapestry of moving through different populations of people, right? I've worked with farmers in Arizona to tech startups in Silicon Valley to celebrities in Beverly Hills. And what has always worked for me is exactly what I hope you can see and hear from my voice is I'm just a real person. Mm-hmm. I, I really pride myself on bringing my authentic self to the table and I love connecting with people. At the end of the day, I, I could sit all day long and listen to people's stories because that's really, for me, what wealth management, what financial advice, like that's really all it is. It's, it's someone has a story, right? They may not know what the end of the story looks like, but they want to, they want to author their own book. Yes. And so my ability to have people share, right, their their history of their own story and then help them create what the next couple of steps would look like for the future was always my biggest joy in the role. And I carried that through clients. I carried it through the financial advisors I would work with. 
and I carried it with my other fellow coworkers. And that's what led to my success is my ability to just go deep with people and see them for exactly who they are. So your story validates a theme. I mean, one of the one of the themes that I think is really clear and for anybody who's listened to a number of, of, of our episodes now. Um, you know, as we talk to different people, you know, that have been either entrepreneurial or not, some are still in corporations, but the work success is really directly tied to passion. Uh, you know, I, I think you've got to be passionate and, and sometimes you're not necessarily passionate about the work, but there could be an aspect of the work. And what I'm hearing in your case, your passion is really about that connection. It's about connecting with people. It's about hearing the stories and maybe wealth management because you've also got a passion for the, the money side of things for a number of reasons, as we've already touched on, but you combine all of that. And that, that is a, a it's an important aspect to success. I have had too many friends who are just not passionate about their work and they struggle and, they, and, they, and they'll say things like, well, you know, well, I had that idea before they came up with it. Yeah, but you didn't do anything about it. Or, or you'll hear, you'll hear things like, you know, I just can't wait to get home and have a cocktail or this or that or whatever. And they might be good at what they do, but are they successful? I mean, how, how do you define success? Happy, happiness has to be a part of it. And I don't know how you can be happy if you're not passionate about you know, what you're doing. Well, Chris, it's really interesting that you say that because I was not happy for a long time and I was not passionate about what I did. I remember uh, what would happen is I would move a lot, right? Like I would, I would move to create the happiness. I would move to get the things. And right before my 30th birthday, when I was still married, I remember getting to at the time, what felt like the peak of my career, was married. We were living on a golf course, right? We had the cars, we had the things and all the people around us, right? Our age were just getting started in their careers. And here I was the breadwinner first. Um, My ex-husband's an archaeologist for the park service. Uh, I was the breadwinner and we had a lot of money and yet we, we couldn't keep it. We couldn't keep it. And it's because I was not happy internally, right? I had spent, as I shared my entire life up until I was 30, trying to be someone else or trying to fit in or trying to do the right thing. So were you trying to buy happiness? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right. I, I was so all about, because I was so convinced that that's what it was, right? To me, success before my 30s was it's money, it's status, it's power, and I wanted all of it. Mm-hmm. And now what is success? So success to me is relationships, it's connection, yeah. it's community, it's experiences. And I had to pay the ultimate price to actually experience that. So when my when my ex-husband and I got divorced, after we paid everything off, I had $500 in my account. I gave him wow. I gave him everything that I could because I knew, right? Like I, I I innately have always known I'm good at making money. I know I can create it. Like I know I can do any job in the world because I have, (laughs) and I know I can make good money doing it. But with my ex-husband, I was so worried about him. um, Again, always the caretaker, making sure he was set up for success. So I gave him the majority of the money, what was left in our accounts. And I remember moving to Seattle. I had just gotten another promotion with $500 in my account. And I felt so shameful, right? Like I was hiding this. Everyone knew I got divorced, but they didn't know my financial situation. Yeah, divorce and and paying for it. But, you know, I, 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 I commend you. For, for taking that. I mean, divorces can be ugly. The splits can be tough, but, um, you know, obviously, you know, your confidence in your future um, allowed you to do, you know, do something nice for him, maybe your parting thing. And, and we won't go into the details of, of that. Uh, it's too far off topic, but, but, um, but it does again, influence who you are. And, and, you know, I, I think again, taking a look at how you define success today, these are all lessons that got you to that point. So, you know, part of your story that the audience doesn't know about, but I found particularly interesting is that as you grew, and though you may not have had a passion for the work itself, the the product that you were working on, you were still the relationship piece of it had to be at least the part that was a little satisfying. But, But the thing is, is sometimes people can be really excellent 
and be really, really good at what they do, recognized for it, paid and paid well for it, but they're not happy. You know, a friend of mine who's an attorney, he's a great attorney. And, you know, in, in a way, one time he told me he keeps raising his rates because once people stop paying for him, that'll be the time to retire. Right? I mean, you know, so like you, he was thinking about the money and that's how he's measuring things. But, but the poor guy was never happy when we talk. I mean, you know, and, and it wasn't until he finally stopped doing that and got into something he had more of a passion for that I started seeing a different person come out, the old, the, the old friend that I used to have. And, you know, you found yourself in your history that, that you were really good at what you did internally you know, and you kept getting promoted for it. And you found yourself in, in what I would say, um, you know, really different situations, situations that could have shaken people's confidence. And yet, I don't think you, you, maybe you let it get to you. So maybe you'll share that part of the story, but maybe you didn't because you still pushed through. Um, share some of those stories with the clients or the clients. Here I am talking now like a business with, with our, with our you're, listeners. You're, yes. Yeah. I would say that the one thing that I knew I loved about the job was the connection and the relationship, right? Whether that was me speaking at a women's event to me speaking to the financial advisors on my team, or by the time usually the client got to me, they weren't happy. They were always upset. Something had gone wrong. And I always found excitement in being able to get really clear with that individual and create a solution together. And so, in a lot of ways, that's how I always approached my way of leadership, right? I remember my first time I became a manager, I was just turning 29, I believe, in the investment industry. I was covering Northern Arizona, and sometimes it would take me four hours to get to just one one person on my team, and small town Arizona, right? And I remember sometimes, because my name is AJ, right, and it's just an assumption, right? Oh, it's a man, (laughs) right? First it's AJ. So they think it's a man and then I'd show up and then it was me, right? This 28, um, you know, black girl, it was like the the jaws would drop literally. There, There were multiple times where that would happen or I'd walk into a meeting, I'd be introduced and the client or my colleague or someone would be like, wait, what? I'm, I'm confused. Where's AJ? This is AJ, right? But I always got a kick out of that, right? I didn't see it as anyone's fault in a way because ultimately that's what where I see the best in people is we are all just doing the best that we can with what we were given. Mm-hmm. So if you grew up in the South and right, you weren't exposed to people of color or if you weren't exposed to women or right? You're, you know, it just, at the end of the day, I just have this empathy and I have this ability to connect with people who look and sound nothing like me. And that was always the joy, right? Like that was always the fun part. And that's where the success came. It wasn't in my team always being in the top 10 because they were, but I, I just always was looking for how can I connect with people and find our similarities versus looking at why we're different. Yeah. You know, um, I really, I love what you just said about, it wasn't about being in the top 10, but we always were. Uh, it's, it's really funny, but sometimes I think people focus on the wrong thing. You know, sometimes if you focus too much on a specific result, you never achieve it because you miss the things that can get you there. But if you focus on the right things, you'll get there. So, you know, an old, an, an, an old um, adage from Confucius, he once said, you know, uh, you know, do a job you love and um, you'll, you'll never work a day in your life, right? And there was a book at one point, I don't know the author, but it was like, um, you, know, uh, you know, work the job you love and um, the money will follow, right? And so, it's, I can't tell you how many times I've known people who get so focused on the end dollar and they might achieve that end dollar, but how they got there, they miss so many important things. But if they focus on really what their measurement of success, what their measurement of wealth is, they can usually well exceed what they ever thought they were going to exceed. You know, a friend of mine who, um, you know, started an entrepreneurial business uh, today is I don't know, he, he says he's 10 times further than he ever thought he'd get in his life. But the thing was, he never really focused on the size of his company or, or that. He focused on having great people, taking care of great people, having great 
product and taking care of his customers. And, and, and everything else came together. Now, I'm not going to tell a business person to not have goals and all that stuff. I'm in the business of that. You're in the business of that. You, you got to have goals. But having said that, um, where do you focus your energy? I think if you focus too much in the absolute last thing and you don't focus on the journey to get there, a lot can be missed and sometimes failure can occur. Well, and what you're speaking to is, I like to call it leadership from the inside out. And that's innately and intuitively what I've always done is lead from my values, which are connection, which is not shocking, right? Generosity and integrity, right? Those are my three core values. And when I started leading at such a young age, I didn't know it then, right? I can see it now. But when I would lean into those values and really come to the table from a place of connection and generosity and integrity, that was where the magic would always happen. Different than when I would look to my peers, right, who were usually males, white males in their 50s and 60s, when I would look to them and try to copy their style of leadership. That never worked for me. And I, and I had to be playful with that. Yeah, you know, uh, you, gosh, you're 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 speaking my my language right now when you start talking core values. Uh, you know, being core values driven and sticking and honing them is so important. And and we often say there's no such thing as good or bad core values. Core values are what they are. Sticking to your core values is is important for both. I think your passion, your happiness, your own personal integrity, and and other things. But it's amazing. Again, you find a lot of people who are, you know, you, you said different types of leaders. I think in terms of like managers versus leaders and managers like to control everything. And there is a place for good management in organizations. You have to have good management. But as you move up, a true leadership mindset is values driven and um, and, it, and it is future driven, whereas management is still about trying to control very certain, very specific things. And that can get us in trouble. We're already to the end of our next segment. So time is flying by. Uh, stay tuned, and we're going to come back. We're, we're going to we'll start shifting into some of the um, wealth management techniques that that AJ coaches people on. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. True results happen where culture meets execution. The Execution Culture, co-written by our host, Chris Elias, is designed to make your company smarter, faster, and stronger by sharing real-world advice on culture, leadership, and execution. It's time to transform your business with the help of The Execution Culture. The book is available now on Amazon. Click the link on the show page. Is your company or team struggling to achieve the results you would like? Optimize your life, your team, and your organization through clarity, purpose, and action. At Mexicute, we have over 100 years of combined experience leading organizations and coaching individuals to achieve their vision. We design a customized approach to ensure successful execution and optimize your results. Connect better. Grow better. For a free consultation with Chris Elias, visit nexecutegroup.com. That's N-E-X-E-C-U-T-E group.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is Transformative Experts with Chris Elias. If you have a question or a comment about the show, please send an email to listener at transformativeexperts.com. Now, back to Transformative Experts. 
And we're back one last time with AJ Bishop. So uh, AJ, before we went to the break, we were talking about core values and over the break, um, we, we were talking about it even more. Um, I am such a believer in the importance of core values and core values alignment to, um, you know, for people within an organization. You know, my, my belief, and I think there's tons of science out there that proves it, is that um, core values alignment is, is essential for long-term relationship success. And if you want successful relationships within the business place, that alignment is there. Otherwise, you're going to have some sort of problems later on. So as you talked about core values and all of that, you know, your organization today, you've got people in it. Um, you spend you spend a lot of time looking to having uh, people that are aligned to those values within your organization as well. Yeah, I would say that what was most important when I decided to go out on my own was I wanted to be surrounded by people that inspired me. Right. And that's, that's actually what I loved the most about working in corporate America is you just have so many people from different paths. And I would always seek out individuals that were interesting and befriend them and learn from them and be mentored by them. And so I always look for people who, in a way, like make me a better leader as well, too, because having values that you share, whether that's with right your partner, or your business partner, or your marriage, it's it takes everything to the next level. And so when I looked to start my wealth conscious coach, it was really important that I identified our three core values with the team. And, you know, of course, they're very aligned with mine, right? So our first one is fun, right? Wealth management is not fun in most topics, right? In most circles, wealth management is very boring. It's very analytical. Uh, it, it shuts a lot of people down and out of the process. And so we, we have a lot of fun and we make, it, uh, we make it fun to know more about your money. And the next one is very connected with mine, right? It's community. So a lot of people look at what we do and they say, how do you do that with a bunch of women in one room, right? And of course, in COVID, we do it via Zoom. But they say, well, why would women want to talk about their money in a group, right? That's so, you don't talk about money. And I said, that's exactly what we talk about is what are the mental models? What are the beliefs? What are the attitudes that you grew up with that made talking about money, having money, not having money, good or bad? Yeah. And that's actually where the real magic happens in my program. It's called Money Magic, but uh, is when these women come together and they can let down their guard and say, yeah, I grew up with right a father who was never home because he was working all the time. And that made me to believe that I that money was bad because it, you know, I was, I felt alone or perhaps my mother used money to show me that she loved me. So I continue to spend money because that's how I find fulfillment. So those kind of conversations are where we're at and it leads directly into our third value, which is depth. We go deep, um, women open up, they cry, they laugh, uh, but we go deep and we, we hold that space so that there can be a true transformation, right? Because once we see that we are no longer our beliefs and attitudes and behaviors from the past, we then can move forward in a way that's very powerful. Well, what's very great about that is that that does um, that does create an alignment for the people who work in your organization, but it also creates an alignment to your clients. You know, one of the things I, I, I talked about a lot, and I think is important for for companies to understand, is that your though your customer base, you know, you're going to want it as broad as possible. We always want to take on, but your best customers always seem to be the ones who are also aligned to your value system. So, you know, it, it would strike me that if you had somebody sitting in a group. And she just could not open up and talk about her her stuff. Um, not that that she's not a good person or anything, but if she couldn't get there, she's probably not a good fit for the group because that's part of the dynamic of the group itself. And though she might be able to have some success, the best people are going to be the people who are really aligned to this. Yeah, I would say it's a both and. Yeah. So women who really want to work with me, they get to see that there's actually a lot of power in having a shared experience. Because sometimes when we lone wolf it, as I call it, right, yeah. where we think we can figure it all out on our own and we, we just can't, we can't see outside of our own box. 
and having the support of other women who are non-judgmental, right? Like that, we're, we're a judgment-free zone. And that's, that's really the space that we get to have at My Wealth Conscious Coaches. We get to be real, we get to have fun, and we do it in community, which is very different than how wealth management is normally discussed and approached right now. So, um, you know, the, the, there's always great stories. Um, do, you have a, do you have a great example story? Certainly, we're not going to breach any confidentialities, but any, any stories you can share, maybe somebody who's really closed off and 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 thus maybe struggling a little bit, but when they got into this program, they started talking about it. That that you were able to create a real transformation for them. Chris, I tell people that I'm a wealth management coach and consultant, but I really work in three pillars. Yeah. Right, I work with women, and we discuss wealth and worth because wealth does not happen if you don't think you're worthy of it, and so. One of the clients I have currently was struggling with owning her worth in her job. Wow. She'd worked for a company for a very long time and uh, very, right, invaluable, an invaluable employee, but just struggled asking for the raise, struggle asking for the title. And through the work that we did together, she was able to see right through her childhood how having the right job, looking the right part, saying the right things had caused her to be worthy, mm-hmm. right? She had, she had confused worth and value. Okay, yes, those things are valuable. Having a good job is valuable. Knowing how to say the right things is valuable, but it does not mean you're worthy. And so we had to work through, right, her and I one-on-one and in our group sessions about this idea of where does her self-worth come from? It can't come from outside. Yeah. And that's where she was looking for it. So she was able to finally see that she was worthy and she actually just accepted a huge promotion at a company. And she's like, I literally talked to her the other day. She's like, I don't think I would have been able to see this without your support and the support of the women. Because what I do is, right, we're, we, we are in these meetings and I work I bring in like my integrated, I have a very strong yoga background. Yeah. And most people think yoga is just the poses, but there's actually a very self-discovery piece to it. And it, sure. and it comes from what we call inquiry, where we're, we ask the questions we don't want to ask. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, it, these conversations get uncomfortable, Chris. I'm not going to lie. It's not easy work. It, it's not easy work, but that's what you have to see, right? Like that's what these women have to see is that they have to get uncomfortable at times to actually break through what they're resisting. You know, this is such a a theme as well through a lot of conversations, not just that I've experienced through, you know, the, the, the benefit of having a show like this, but throughout life, um, you know, there's an old, uh, an old um, saying, right. A cliche almost that, um, Gosh, I, I always butcher words on this, right? But you know, nothing—nothing uh, nothing good comes easy, or something like that. Meaning, you know, sometimes we re- really have to address that tough stuff. And uh, you know, Brene Brown, who has um, become a very popular thought leader out there in the world right now, she does a lot of stuff on you know on shame, and and I think it ties closely to what you're talking about with worth and understanding that. But it does require really addressing those tough things about you know kind of going deep and um, and you know I, I don't I, maybe, maybe I'm being extreme by saying facing your own demons, but self confidence, self worth those those can be demons as well, and and we have to sometimes some find a way to kind of put those behind us and look forward. Uh, one of the things, though, that raised a question for me, you know, I never thought about it this way, but you just said, you know, she was confusing value with worth. And as you said that, it got me to really reflect and wonder, do I confuse value with worth? And probably I do, right? And so, you know, I'd love it if you just take another minute or two and go a little bit deeper for somebody who, who may not even know that they're making that that um, mix up in, in their thinking and define a little bit when, when you talk about self-value or, or value versus true worth, how, how do you define that? How do you define somebody's worth? It, it goes back to how I even define leadership, 
right? Leadership being an inside job versus an external job. So we call right people in corporate America leaders, we call political individuals leaders, and it's a role that we've given them, right? It's a title. At the end of the day, it's right, you're that's your title. It doesn't always mean that's who you are, right? Yeah. Like it doesn't mean that you said it beautifully, right? Some people are leaders, some people are managers. And so when you look at worth and value, it's very similar, right? Worth comes from the inside out. If you do not believe you're worthy, then guess what? Others will not see you as worthy. Different than value being something external, right? Like I value the sun. I value, right, French fries. (laughs) (laughs) I value, that is the value, if you will, of that item I want to purchase, like, right, that's the value of the house I want to buy. But worth is, it's an inside job. It's something that has to be practiced every single day. Because at the end of the day, if we aren't the ones who are taking what I like to call courageous action, no one will, no one's going to be able to prove you no matter what. No one is going to be able to sit there and tell you, oh my gosh, you're so worthy, right? Like, you're just so worthy. That is such a empty and hollow st- it's a, it's an empty and hollow statement. Yes. And so worth is something that you generate from the inside and you feel it, right? Like you feel it in the way that you move, you feel it in the way that you interact with an, other individuals and it's something that others just can't take away from you. Yeah. You know, it makes me think that we talk a lot about, you know, the need to have some level of self-confidence and self-belief, which requires self-awareness, right? And uh, I think self-worth is maybe even a deeper, more underlying piece of it. Because at, at the end of the day, if a person truly does not feel worthy of what's out there for them, I think it's hard to find the success. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to actually move forward and accept something that even subconsciously, really, really deep within their system, they don't feel worthy of having. And, um, and that becomes, that can become a deep barrier and I'm, I'm sure a psychological barrier. I'm sure there's probably a lot of psychologists that can help us out with this. Um, but I, I think it's really important that you're working on this. Well, and Chris, what, what I'll just add there with the period in a way is that's how I was operating in my early twenties and late twenties before I got divorced, divorced, divorced. Right. I was looking for value in objects. I was looking for value in things and hoping that it would create my worth. Right. I could show people I'm successful because I have these things, hoping that I could show that I was worthy of promotions, that I was worthy of titles. And it wasn't until I was stripped of all of those things that I realized, no, I'm still actually just as worthy. It's just I don't have the things. And what I haven't shared is, is right, leaving that marriage and with $500 literally to my name and having a new sense of worth, right, grounded in my values, I actually made all of my money, right? Like I made all of money, which again, to me, wealth is not money, but I made all my money after I found my worth and after I stood in my values. That's when everything started to come together for me. Yeah, that's that's excellent, and um, we're we're getting close to the end of our time again. But I, you know, I wondered if we could maybe just touch on one more thing. So uh, there's certainly a lot of different things that, that you can do, and you've you've highlighted through women, wealth, and worth, for instance, your three pillars and the core values, some of the things that are really really key. Um, you know, is there one takeaway for our um, for our audience that you might want to give them? I mean. You know, how, how, how would you help them frame the importance or, 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 or how would they pursue the concept of, um, of you know, wealth management, as of personal worth, those kind of things? Yeah, I, I always say you have to start with where it began. So taking the time to get really clear on what relationship do I have with money and why, is do I have this relationship with money because I created that relationship based off of how I have learned about money or the relationship my parents had with money? Or is this truly right my intention? And so when I start with my clients, that's exactly where we start. We start with who taught you about money? 
What did they say about it, right? What, what was said about money in the home? Because what tends to happen is if we have too much money, right, we feel get, some people feel guilty about that. If we ha- don't have enough money, that creates, right, a scarcity. So there's, it's re, I call it getting flat, but yeah. getting neutral, right? It's getting neutral about what was, because guess what? It's still just in that background. It's not your future. Excellent. Excellent. And, um, we're kind of out of time. So for the listeners, AJ, first of all, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for, for being with me today. Thank you, Chris. I had such a great time and um, appreciate you asking the questions. Uh, no problem at all. I, you know, it, As often as the case, I wish we had more time to even go further. And um, who knows, maybe AJ will be back on with us. But until that point, if anybody wants to, to track her down, you know, you're certainly always welcome to contact me through the radio station website at voiceamerica.com. Um, you can do it through our the radio show and through Transformative Experts. Um, we also have listener at transformativeexperts.com. We'll, um, we'll get to uh, the producers and, and me. You can always track me down through my website at Chris Elias Author. But you can also get AJ through her website. So uh, AJ, please spell it out for everybody, um, you know, just so we make sure nobody misses it. Yeah, the best website to find me, we just actually launched one uh, about a month ago, is mywealthconsciouscoach.com. I have two websites. I also have ajbishop.co, but that's more related to the work that I do with consulting. But um, mywealthconsciouscoach.com is the best place to find me. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thanks again for for being with me today. And um, everyone, uh, we'll have another great guest next week. Stay tuned. Have a good week until that time. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for joining Chris Elias for this week's edition of Transformative Experts. We hope you'll tune in again next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And catch our weekly replay on the Voice America Influencers Channel, Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a good week.